You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Carlito's Way, which came out in 1993. It was directed by Brian De Palma. It stars Al Pacino, Sean Penn, Penelope Ann Miller, John Leguizamo, Ingrid Rogers, Luis Guzman, James Rebhorn, John Ortiz, Adrian Pastar, Joseph Ceravo, Jorge Porcel, Frank Minucci, and Viggo Mortensen. The genre would be crime epic. Wondering where you are, what you're doing, who you're with. What was it like inside, Charlie? I get you. I don't need new kids nowadays. The shots on you, Mr. You fly up in the air, man. I'm asking for your help. No, well, I ain't dealing. I ain't going back to prison, no matter what. You said you would break my heart, Charlie. Didn't you ever have a dream? Yeah, I had a dream, Charlie. But now I'm awake. Since it first came out 30 years ago, I've watched this film many, many times. In theaters, home video, cable, streaming, and I love it. It's balls-out 70s coked-up film school Brad De Palma strutting his stuff, truly for the last time. And yeah, Femme Fatale was fine, but come on. And yet the more I watch it, something always nags at me. Was Al Pacino miscast? Yes, I realize this is now remembered as one of the great Pacino movies. But as far as I'm concerned, it's great in spite of him, not because of him. First, the kind of elephant in the room. He may be entertaining, but he's not actually good with Latino accents. Sorry, he's not. <laughs> now, in Scarface, previous episode Scarface, he was acting larger than life in line with every other performance in that movie, from Stephen Bauer to F. Murray Abraham. He was generally given a lot of short, pithy dialogue to work with. And let's face it, Tony Montana, his character in that movie, was more a man of action. It's an effective performance, as ridiculous as he sounds throughout, but he's entertaining to watch, and it works for the tone of that movie. You want to play guys? Okay. I'll play with you. Come on. Okay. Do you want to play with us? Okay. No. Say hello to my little friend. But that's not Carlito Brigante, the character he plays here. He's older, wiser, sophisticated, and he loves to hear himself talk. Now, I ain't saying that my way would have been different had my mother been alive when I was a kid, because that's all you hear in a joint. Oh, man, I didn't have a chance. No, no. Bullshit. I was already a mean little bastard while my mother was alive, and I know it. But I learned about women from her. Mr. Brigante, there are 56 cases on the court's docket for this morning. Why am I listening to this? 
Pacino has two monologues just in the first 15 minutes of this thing. And while I've heard mixed notices on the lispy Puerto Rican accent that he's attempting, he just does sound silly at times. I changed and it didn't take no 30 years like your honor thought, but only five. That's right, sir. Five years. And look at me. Completely rehabilitated, reinvigorated, reassimilated, and finally going to be relocated. And I want to thank a lot of people for that. When he's also not constantly narrating throughout as well. And this being his first post Sen of a Woman Oscar role, it doesn't help that Pacino seems to be singing and or shouting every other line. What I'm trying to do, Sasso, I mean Ron, is save your ass. My yes. That's right, because it's either Fat Anthony or schools you owe the money to, right? Either way, you're going to end up in the trunk of a car somewhere on the Belt Parkway before long, maybe weeks before they find you. Like Dee Dee, remember? They open her up. That's some kind of stink you're going to make. Ooh, what's that smell? Sasso, man. That's Sasso. Used to be wrong. Regardless, Pacino, who was 53 at the time, he looked great. The coat, the beard, he had a great physicality with the role. But looking back at 92-93 when this was filmed, I mean, Raul Julia, the late great Raul Julia, he was about the same age. And Andy Garcia was 37. I think they might have been better in retrospect. Whitewashing issues aside, they could have just brought a more grounded quality to this character whenever he talks. But regardless, overall, this movie looks and sounds fantastic, with so many bravura scenes taking place in an endless array of impressively designed bars, restaurants, offices, and of course, probably the most impressive setting, which becomes the home base that Carlito kind of takes over, the El Pariso, which is just the type of multi-level club environment that a director like Brian De Palma can have a lot of fun with. And he does. And here he reunites with the same DP who he worked with on previous episode, The Untouchables, Stephen Burham. And as a result, the camera fluidly swoops everywhere, from dance floors to hidden safes to offices up above in blinds. It's just one of the great period locations from that era. Times have changed. What happened to the miniskirts? Where's all that marijuana? Now everything is platforms, cocaine, and dances. I don't dance. What a man gotta come to when he loses five years. And it's mostly designed by a true master, the late great production designer Richard Silbert, who had always excelled at classy retro settings for big productions, including previous episode Chinatown, which he received an Oscar nomination for. Every dive bar to upscale office in this movie just looks impeccable. But the center of this particular universe remains the El Paraiso, which does factor into the extended climax, which I'll get to in just a bit. What are you two talking about? Fucking. Oh, well, speaking of fucking Steffi, look at those fucking friends of yours over there. They're a fucking embarrassment. Oh. Now go do something. Do something. You, Be a hostess asshole. or some kind of cousin. Yeah. Fuck me. Hey, Louie! Louie, you fucking chick's giving a hand job right in front of everybody. I got guests here, for Christ's sake. People are eating. Take it easy, Dave. You take it easy. You got any manners? You want to fuck a fucker like a normal human being? Take her in the bedroom. People, huh? Okay, Dave. What's up? I need you to do something for me. Okay, what is it? You gotta help me spring Tony Tagliolucci from the prison barge at Rikers. Are you crazy? He thinks I stole a million dollars from him. This is a dying man. He's nuts. He's totally fucking paranoid. And of course, Sean Penn, 
absolutely kills it as the villainous, coked-out Kleinfeld, with the film's best performance, sporting an isfro over gold wire-rimmed glasses. The dude's just cutting loose in a way that we would not actually see him try again for another decade until his Oscar-winning role in Mystic River. And I honestly kind of bought him more in this role. I have to do this. I'm asking for your help. Dave, you a lawyer, man. What the fuck is happening to you? I don't know. I'm so fucking shook up, I cannot see straight. I'm in an impossible fucking situation here. His high-pitched, rat-a-tat-tat, wannabe tough guy taunts throughout the third act are an absolute highlight. Especially a positively nutty, tense sequence late in the movie, on a boat in New York Harbor with Carlito, where we get to watch Kleinfeld continuously refer to Adrian Pastar's mob kid as Frankie way too many times. Come on, Frankie. Oh, excuse me. Frank, uh, your daddy's waiting for you, Frank. <laughs> Come on! We'll take an end, for Christ's sake. We're falling out of position. The rest of the supporting cast is also pretty great, with one glaring exception. John Leguizamo is pretty fierce as Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Young Vigo Mortensen has one standout scene as the pathetic Laline. Oh, kill me, motherfucker! Look what I got! Look what I got! I mean, look at me! You got everything, man. I mean, come on. Look what I got to fucking go around with. Fucking diapers, man. I got fucking diapers. I shit my pants every day. I can't walk. I can't hump. You know? Go ahead and kill me, you cocksucker. They made me do it. You know, they sent me back. I'm not good in a joint. I'm in a fucking wheelchair, Carlito. Luis Guzman is a sleazy delight as Pachanga, and James Redhorn is pretty memorable in the role that he was born to play, the corrupt highfalutin district attorney Norwalk. It speaks a lot to the rewatchability of this film that I can just recite the names of these characters. And this was definitely a breakout performance for John Leguizamo, who steals every scene he's in as Benny. You know, we have a formal introduce, you know, my name is Benny Blanco from the Bronx. You know me? Yeah, I know you, man. You Calito Pigante motherfucker to the max. That's who you are. Well, I don't know you. So, I don't owe you. Sasso does. My place now, new rules. Everybody pays. Okay? Yeah, okay, okay, man. This cool is groovy. Hey, yo, what's the matter with you? Play the fucking goddamn check, bitch. To the waiter. To the waiter, you fucking don't fucking. Get us some champagne, man. Some of that French yeah, champagne. Kick some back with us, man. Have a glass, man. I want you to pick your brain, man. Hey, hey, get him a chair, man. Can't you see the man is standing? Get him a fucking chair. Cookie, get the stupid look off your face. You know who this man is? You know who this man is? This man here. He's the fucking J.P. Morgan of the smack business. This brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Unlike previous episodes, Scarface, featuring this same actor-director combination, this movie is not blessed with an all-time operatic synth score from the likes of Giorgio Moroder. I mean, to be fair, most films aren't. But the music in this movie certainly does the job. This score is more conventional, and it comes from the brilliant British composer Patrick Doyle, who certainly delivers from the standpoint of suspense and melodrama, especially towards the climax.
But what drives this movie more from a musical standpoint is the retro 70s soundtrack, which features a mixture of disco, salsa, and merengue hits from that era, including the likes of the OJs, Casey and the Sunshine Band, and Santana. This movie pulsates throughout with a lot of memorable music, and none more so than Brooklyn's own, the late great Ray Barreto, who is of Puerto Rican descent and one of the true American pioneers for Latin music, including Latin jazz, pachanga, and salsa. He was both a band leader and hardcore percussionist who really made his mark on various genres with a career spanning from the early 60s into the early 90s. And what's featured here is actually his breakout hit from 1962, El Watusi, which is a catchy salsa number that kind of sneaks up on you as it builds with an increasingly faster rhythm utilizing piano and flutes, among other instruments. It's just the type of ideal song to punctuate a, you guessed it, suspense sequence. And the first one which occurs in the movie, about 20 minutes in. You see, Carlito has just been released from prison. He's visiting his old barrio neighborhood, and he's out with his cousin, Guajiro, an unrecognizably young John Ortiz. And his cousin ropes him into joining him for a quick money handoff at a nearby pool hall. And of course, while Carlito is waiting by the pool table, while his cousin's across the room doing the handoff, he immediately realizes that this strangely looks like an ambush. Uh-oh. And when this dawns on Carlito... This is right when the leader of this gang, played by the late great Rick Aviles, asks his guys at the pool table to turn up the music. And we hear that song. Turn it up, man. I love that song. Mira, mi pana, you're gonna play one, eh? Hey, be cool. I'm racking, I'm racking, man. Shit. And what follows is a masterclass in building tension as the music gradually builds. The camera circles around the pool table as Carlito sets up a trick shot designed to have him use one goon's sunglasses to see the reflection of who is after his cousin behind him and another goon nearby who he can dispatch with a pool cue while grabbing his gun. You play an eight ball, right? Yeah. I can't resist this. I gotta show you people a shot. Yo, yo, we in the middle of a game here, man. Right, you play an eight ball, right? Right before you rap, it's nothing. Ain't gonna bother you, game. When you see this, you ain't gonna believe it. Gonna line them up like this. Hey, you gonna show us a trick shot, Carlito? No trick shot. This is magic time. After you see this shot, you're gonna give up your religious beliefs. Well, Kikeya, man, you gotta check this out. Carlito's doing one of his trick shots, well, man. Just a typically bravura suspense set piece augmented with just the right needle drop. The next category is wasted talent. And this is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. You know, I went on so long about Pacino, I barely got to mention the even more egregious casting choice here. And that would be Penelope Ann Miller who, to be fair at the time, I had a major crush on. She worked really well in comedies like Kindergarten Cop and Other People's Money. But for this movie, she's really taking it serious, as she plays Carlito's former, and once again flame, an exotic dancer named Gail. Let's just keep it simple by saying that she is completely miscast. I mean, she's 24 years younger than Pacino, and that age gap is glaringly obvious. Her character is also saddled with some of the cringiest dialogue. Not her fault, but and I've already said enough negative stuff, so let's just leave it at that. I know how this dream ends, Charlie. It isn't in paradise. It ends with me carrying you into set an emergency room at 3 o'clock in the morning and standing there crying like an idiot. This brings me to the trailer moment. 
This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. De Palma actually finds a way to top his stellar train station sequences from previous movies and episodes, Blowout and The Untouchables. And that's a pretty high bar to clear. He basically delivers an extended 20-minute climax, which starts at the El Parais Club as several members of Tony T's gang, including his other son, the one who was not just recently murdered by Kleinfeld, they're all hanging out there hoping to nab our hero. He sneaks out through a hidden door to the nearby train. We follow him and these goons, who catch on to it, right on his tail through at least two different trains and stations. And this whole cat and mouse, mostly shot with one take, culminates at Grand Central Station, where Carlito has to make that last midnight train to Miami. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. Last call, track 19. The 11.30 Amtrak Silver Star, come for Tampa and Miami. All aboard. Gale is supposed to meet him there after all. Well, things get even hairier as gunfire finally breaks out at a series of escalators at the Grand Central Terminal, and it's right before the first gunshot is fired where we see what I would consider to be the money shot of the movie. Carlito has to get down this escalator to that track where Gale is waiting for him. Only Tony T's gang, while most of them already waiting down there at the bottom, at the base of the escalators, while he hides just around the corner, glimpsing at windows that are looking down at them. So what does he do? <laughs> well, the camera follows one last goon heading down the escalator to meet the rest of them. He's looking all around him. There are several folks riding alongside him, but no Carlito. And then the camera cuts over to the next escalator going down. And guess who was laying down with his firearm facing upwards? Yep, it's our boy. <laughs> He's hoping to slip right past these guys. Only, wait, there was one more goon still at the top of the escalator. And as he looks down from his window and sees Carlito and Carlito sees him, well then chaos ensues. But honestly, right before that is just such a badass moment as we see the camera then pull up over our hero, riding that escalator on his back, ready for action. Great moment. This brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP. This would be the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. As if you could not have guessed by this point... This is the textbook definition of a somewhat conventional story. I mean, you know, the ex-con trying to go straight but then pulled back into the life, which is blessed with a filmmaker who truly elevates it. And from a structural standpoint, the director and screenwriter David Kep they take some pretty big swings, including a strange framing device for the movie, which I'm still not quite sure works as well as they might have hoped it would. But most of those swings connect. I mean, having to juggle two larger-than-life potential villains like Benny Blanco and Kleinfeld could have overwhelmed the story. But they tie it up together rather elegantly in the third act, resulting in a movie that is big, brash, ballsy, and beautiful to watch. For delivering one big, juicy steak of an entertaining crime drama, Brian De Palma is the MVP. Uh, I mean, this is a kind of difficult movie to try to prepare an audience for because you're going to go in thinking it's going to be something like Scarface. And it really isn't because it's... It has all the things 
about Scarface, you know, great acting, uh, Puerto Ricans instead of Cubans, gangsters. But, uh, you know, Scarface is about the rise and fall of a cocaine kingpin, and this is basically about a guy that's in love with a girl that's trying to get out and is undone by everything he ever grew up believing. My rating for Carlito's Way would be four and a half stars out of five. Happy 30th anniversary to the other De Palma Pacino collaboration, which is not named Scarface and has not had nearly the pop culture impact, yet is just as good. It was just such a kick to revisit both movies in succession like this, too. Each of them have a couple of glaring issues, but very different types of issues. But when you combine them, they could almost combine to be the perfect movie. (laughs) If nothing else, both movies make a fantastic double feature. And if you're looking to watch Carlito's Way, it is available to buy or rent on all major streaming platforms. And that ends another demented, deranged, deceptive, De Palma review. <laughs> Look it up, trust me. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.